श्री गोरी Yatra, poor name. Hijai. Full moon. Vashantalila. Hmm? So we'll talk about that this evening. A little bit. And all the monks should shave their heads today. <laughs> Any question? You touched upon the functional deities. Could you elaborate on those today? The functional deities of Vrindavan. Yeah. And well, how we should view them and how they, how they contribute to the progression of the devotee. Huh. So, Dulal is asking about the, uh, the principal deities of Vrindavan and uh, I think that uh, they've been pointed out to us by Krishna Skaviraj Goswami in his Chaitanya Charitamrita, where he has written some beautiful verses glorifying them, them being Madan Mohan, Radha Madan Mohan, Govindaji, Radha Govinda, and Gopinath, Radha Gopinath. He died. He has pointed them out, and historically they became known as the deities of Sanatana Goswami, uh, Rupa Goswami, and uh, another great uh, devotee Madhu Pandit, I want to say, Madhu Pandit, and Raghunathas Goswami, by way of his contribution, has also been identified with Gopinath G, Radha Gopinath. It's said that Rajanath, the grandson of Krishna, was approached for help in manifesting a deity that form that represented Krishna because he was had had the darshan of Krishna personally it's after Krishna passed away so this is the ancient story hmm? And um, and so one deity was crafted, and he said, "This that's good, at like up to the up to the waist." And then the next deity was crafted to improve on, the, and then 
That's good up to the neck. And then the last one was crafted. That was more perfectly a representation of his experience of Krishna. So, uh, of course, all the deities are perfect, but this is Madan Mohan, Govindaji, and Gopinath, and they correspond then with the three subjects that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was quick to point out in his conversation with Prakashananda in uh, Banaras. You know, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came through Banaras in order to go to Vrindavan. He had to pass through there. And there was a, that was the seat of Mayavad and Shunivad. So we have to pass through that to become a devotee of Krishna, to get that out of your head and heart. I note that the whole narrative of Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Charitamrita begins with introductory verses. They are called the Mongol Charan, so auspicious. it's an auspicious preface, if you will. There are 14 verses there, and these three verses, glorifying these three deities, follow. Hmm? And after writing the verses, uh, Kaviraj, then Krishnadas, begins to explain the verses. And this explanation takes us all the way up to the end of the sixth, end of the the sixth, end of the sixth, end of the sixth chapter, and into the beginning of the seventh chapter, and there he, ex- he begins to explain Panchatattvatmakam Krishnam Bhaktarupa Sarupakam Bhaktavataram Bhaktakyam Namami Bhaktashatikam. The last of these fourteen uh, uh, verses of Mongol Charan, which correspond with the first verse, in which the same five principles, five truths have been described along with the sixth, that of the Guru. Vande Gurun, Isha Bhaktan, Isha Nishabhatarakan, Tat Prakasham, Tat Shakti, Krishna Chaitanya Sangakam. This corresponds with add the Guru to that, the other five principles, the, the Lord Himself, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, His expansion, Nityanandapu uh, Avatar, Advaita Shakti's internal and marginal and personified as Karadha Pandit and Srivastava. So it's very much a doctrine of the Panchatattva that uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita constitutes in, in, in one respect. And uh, but anyway, after that, then as the, as the as the explanation over six plus chapters of the Mongol Charan concludes. There is a brief kind of beginning to the uh, narrative of Chaitanya Charitamrita that prefaces um, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami's explanation of how he came to write the book hmm, and uh, the introduction then of all the different principal players in the Leela, in the drama hmm? of Gaur Leela. He begins to explain the branches of the Dvaita Nityananda on a figurative tree of love of God, which he himself is one, is the trunk in the tree itself, and the trunk branches into two, 
as Nityananda and he and so many branches which represent all the devotees and of course the fruit is brahm, love of God and so forth. So after introducing all the players, then the narrative begins again, so to speak, but it begins at the beginning with the with the advent of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his birth and so forth, so on his childhood pastimes and this is the way the book moves forward. But it's very interesting how he has inserted this uh, part of the narrative, which is repeated again later on in the text. The part of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's going to Banaris on the way to uh, Vrindavan, and how he defeated Prakashananda Saraswati there, which is... Uh, the defeating of the Mayavad philosophy. And again, it's repeated later on when it, when the narrative is, where, where it kind of falls into place chronologically, so to speak, in the narrative. Here it's not chronologically presented, it's just placed there. So you might wonder, what, you know, what's that doing there, hmm, in a sense. And this is one way of thinking about that, that... that uh, before we, he's introduced everybody. He's taking us to the to, to to brain love of God. He's giving the underlying philosophy for love of God, and he wants to pause for a moment after having done that in a nutshell, so to speak, in a, in a condensed way, in the form of all these mongol verses. Hmm? Um, and before even introducing all the characters and beginning the narrative, he wants to stop, kind of step back for a second and say, before we go on, let's make it clear here, this is different. This is a form of Vedanta that's different than Advaita Vedanta. And you've got to get that idea out of your head if you want to be a devotee. This is how Prabhupada described himself as he understood himself. It's a very nice idea. Once Pujapad Bhaktivakshak Sridharim Goswami Marsh told us that he was visiting with a, a local doctor for some treatment, and the doctor was an educated man and so forth. Sarsati Thakur's movement was unlike uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism in general at the time in Bengal, uh, it was attracting educated people. That's why you'll find, for example, in some of the publications of the Godiamat, like the Harmonist, which was, uh, I think it came out every two, every two weeks. Uh, a lot of the authors who were disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta Sosri Thakur uh, are uh, identified hmm, in terms of their secular name and the letters behind them, you know, PhD, MB, MA, or whatever the case was uh, they were he was drawing educated people and he wanted to make a statement that educated people are, are members of Gaudiya Sampradaya they're not just people who uh, had uh, questionable uh, behavior from the vantage point of the social religious system the dharma of the varnas and the ashrams, who then claimed themselves to be members of Chaitanya's group. And so they thought they had transcended caste and uh, 
class and socio-religious uh, norms and and whatnot, um, as Bhakti uh, does, who, tre- who has faith for treading the Bhakti Marg, then they leave the Varnashram behind. That's the whole, a huge part, I should say, of the message of Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? <coughs> Varnashram gets a real beating mm-hmm. in Srimad Bhagavatam. As does Mayava, Dharma Projita Kaita Gotra Paramo Nirmatsaranam. It's right there in the beginning, both sides. And this is Gyan and Karma, actually. And Gyan Karmadi and Avritam. Rupa Goswami has described Bhakti like this unencumbered by Gyan and Bhakti, or, and Karma. So, Sridharma is talking to the doctor. And he said, yeah. so he'd been in, here as a nyasi in this mission and all this time. And what have you gotten from that anyway? <laughs> what do you get from this Godia? From a, from, a, from a dharmic point of view, from a religious point of view, it could, he, he could have been, have, been, have been questioning or as well the influence of modernity and so forth in Bengal and in, in India at the time. Um, this was something to be left behind and, and so on. Anyway, <laughs> Pujapad Shidomar said, I have learned that, that uh, I'll put it in a gentle way. <laughs> he said, uh, um, I've learned that we have nothing to learn from Ram Krishna. <laughs> Uh, who was a popular, you know, figure, religious figure in Bengal, and uh, uh, and so forth, but whose teaching is not uh, was not uh, such that it was um, in concert with the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He he taught, or at least Vivekananda taught, his follower. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was an Advaitin, Mayavad, and so forth, and this is how they depicted him. So that didn't settle very well. It's one aspect of it, anyway, with, with the Godias, but he was a very popular figure. So I just bring it up because he wanted to say, we're not, we have nothing to do with Mayavad. I've learned that Mayavad is really, it is a, it is a vod, is the doctrine of Maya. Hmm. I mean, they mean it in another way. <laughs> it's a doctrine of illusion. It says that the world is an illusion and so forth. And he said the whole teaching is an, is an illusion as to what the prospect of the jiva is. And there is a jiva, which there isn't ultimately in Mayavad and so forth. So this is a, a, a kind, of, kind of a consistent uh, theme we find uh, really very much uh, showing itself in a prominent way in the writing of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. Hmm? It starts to sound like a sectarian doctrine, a little bit the Goswami's doctrine in Chaitanya Charitamrita, because he, uh, uh, the way he narrates the Leelas and the way he teaches and so forth, he is adversarial hmm? to this uh, Mayavad, which is really kind of like passive-aggressive philosophy. <laughs> if you honestly, it's a passive-aggressive philosophy because it says, it's a, we're all one. You're a devotee, we love you. Hmm? Oh, the devotees of Chaitanya and Krishna. Yes, bhakti is beautiful. 
hear the devotees saying, we don't have nothing to do with this Mayavad. And the Mayavad is saying, devotees are beautiful. Bhakti is wonderful. Hmm? So accommodating. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthitaka described it as a timingila. Timingila is a, a mythical fish that swallows whales like minnows. So the mouth of the, the, the whale-swallowing philosophy of Mayavad. Everything is consumed within it. It appears all accommodating. Of course, if you look carefully at it, it's all accommodating by way of doing away with your philosophy, <laughs> ultimately, and, and, and reinterpreting it for you, and saying that bhakti is a provisional type of engagement, and the worship of the deity of Krishna is all provisional, and it disappears. In the end, there's no bhakti, there's no bhakta, and there's no one to be devoted to, either. So it's not very friendly <laughs> when you look closely at it. It's very insulting, actually. Hmm? Um, meanwhile, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we do accommodate the idea. If one wants Sayuja Mukti, we don't think it's a very... Um, from, the, from the definition of Sayuja merging, if you will, that you find in Chaitanya Charitamrita, there are different definitions of that. But from that perspective, we find it un, 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 um, undesirable because there's no opportunity for seva there. You might know that Shantarasa is possible to attain Shantarasa hmm? by mixing yoga, by mixing jnana, by mixing karma with bhakti. Hmm? you can attain Shantarasa. If, however, you mix yoga, karma, or jnana with bhakti... No, I didn't just say that. <laughs> See, you understand? See, if you mix bhakti, if you, do, if you are a, a devotee, and you mix karma, and jnana, or jnana, or yoga, karma, mishra, bhakti, jnana, mishra, bhakti, yoga, mishra, bhakti, with bhakti, you can attain Shantarasa. And if you get association with the Dasya Bhakta, your Shanta can turn into Dasya. It's the only Rasa who will change. It can change by good association. But if you mix Bhakti with Yoga, if you mix Bhakti with Karma, Bhakti with Gyan, then you can get up to Mukti, some kind of mukti, but not Shantarasa. Shantarasa is much higher than mukti. Hmm? Sojin mukti. So much more significant. Interestingly, we talked a little bit the other day, the other morning, about the world and how the world is depicted in Bhagavatam hmm? in such a way as to give inspiration for pursuing spiritual life rather than in the way it's looked at and and um, inspected and so forth by the empiric eye today, which more or less turns into an exploitation of the world for for human-centric <coughs> purposes. Hmm? Where a belief is posited for the most part that human life has value, that's something that cannot be empirically, of course, demonstrated. It's, a, it's another religion. But at any rate, Hmm. Uh, we were talking about the world and, uh, and uh, for example, how it's described in 
say the fifth canto of the Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. And on the opening of that description, I mentioned how Prichit Marsh wants to know about how the world, what the world is like, because that might foster some understanding of Bhagavan. He says it is a, it is a stula rupa, it is a, it is a subtle form. Mm-hmm. It could be conceived of as a subtle form of, of Bhagavan. Vishnu mm-hmm. Chakrabhitakwa comments, uh, he offers some good insight here. He says, Prakshit Maharaj, if you study this language here, the, the Sanskrit and the grammar, he's not saying so much that he wants to meditate on that subtle form of the Lord, but there are some bhakti yoga mishra persons in the audience some persons who are mixing bhakti with yoga this is the low end of the mixture Hmm? whether it be yoga, karma, or jnana you mix some bhakti in Hmm? if you mix some bhakti in you can get it can be efficacious you can attain your your desired results some grace is required so they're in the audience so he, he spoke about it for them. So the whole description <laughs> is a yogic description hmm, of, a, of, of a way of thinking of the world as a subtle form of Bhagavan. And it's very, if you study it, it's very yogic. It's very um, subtle. And, uh, and, so, and so, again, it's the, the point I was making, it's not in competition, if you will, with the present a empiric observation about the nature of the world and has a certain purpose as understood in the Bhagavatam. And Chakravati Thakur says, so it's not for devotees. This whole description of Zubhidev here, given that it's not for devotees who meditate on directly on the form of the Lord. He says the same thing earlier on in the, in the, in the first canto, second canto, where the, where the universal form of Bhagavan is described. Another subtle imaginary form, a way of imagining the world as the form of God. It's a metaphorical, like Ramanuja says, the world is the body of God. It's metaphorically, you know, kind of, and then there's a way of thinking about it like that, that helps you see everything in relation to God and promotes self-realization and and, and God consciousness. That's the only way we're interested in in the world, (laughs) looking at it, seeing it, thinking of it, and so forth. Uh, you have to take advantage of everything you can. It's not an easy task to develop love of God and self-realization. And the world is a potentially... Uh, they didn't call him on this, did they? Hmm? Nothing? <laughs> no. <laughs> a sheriff. I thought maybe Rick Fix called him or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, sheriff's a Rick So, there you go. So, uh, you know, you need all the help you can. The world is distracting. So, you know, if you can think of it in such a way that it will promote what your ideal is, your pursuit is, it's very helpful. This is what the Bhagavatam is doing. Mm-hmm. So, it's not for us. In second canon, first canon, he makes the same point. When he describes the universal form of the Lord, when you think, oh, that the sun is one eye and the moon is another eye, and so on and so forth, the mountains are as bones and the birds the, the flowers are as uh, whatever uh, you know this kind of description um, it's a way of you know letting the world world help you in your pursuit 
But he says this isn't really for devotees either. Hmm? They way worship. They meditate directly on the form of the Lord. They worship the, the, the deity form. They do archon and so on and so forth. Of course, you can extend when you are in the world. You can use that to some extent. But hmm. so at any rate, <coughs> this um, we are interested in, in Shuddha Bhakti, hmm? not in any kind of mixed Bhakti and not in any kind of Mayavad. Hmm? and so-called bhakti, hmm? uh, uh, that they are so, seem so accommodating of, and so forth. Not this. Hmm? So, we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita some, some, some animosity towards this. The way it's, the language it's used, it's, it seems to be a little sectarian, and so forth, in comparison to uh, some of the earlier texts, and so forth. He's helping to form a a group here, and this is another instance of it, how he brings this chapter in. Hmm? And as I said, I mentioned Shida Marsh, I, I did that in the context of first mentioning Prabhupada, Nirvishya Shusunivadi, plus Chaitanya Satharma, how he described himself. You've got to get this out of your head and heart if you want to be a, a devotee. So, anyway, Krishnadas brings it up, the story of Mahaprabhu going to Banares and defeating Prakashananda Saraswati and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So if we want to, and in, in that story, mm-hmm. when Mahaprabhu himself then begins to explain Vedanta to the Vedanta, so-called Vedantists, he makes this point, what is the point? That the scriptures speak about three things. Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojana. Mm-hmm. So these verses that you all asked about, these are verses that speak about uh, Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojana. And they correspond with the three, their glorification of Pranam to the three principal deities of Vrindavan. Madan Mohan, perfect, up to the waist. Hmm? Sambandha gives us some legs to stand on. Mm-hmm. You understand? It gives us a conceptual orientation that 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 it's not a Mayabad orientation. You understand? It's like there, there, Vyas saw it in his trance. Mm-hmm. There was Bhagawan and his Surup Shakti. There was the Maya Shakti. There was the Jiva Shakti. Mm-hmm. And and there was Bhakti Yoga and Manasi, Samyak Panahite Malay, Paschat Purusham Purnam, Maya Chattar, Pashrayam, all these things. And I saw the remedial measure of Bhakti Yoga for the plight of the Jiva under the influence of Maya, how it could come under the influence of the Surup Shakti and make union with Bhagwan in a dynamic sense. And this is what he experienced in his trance that gave rise to the writing of Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? So the ground of of being in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, it's nice because it's a moving ground. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's one of those moving you know walkways. <laughs> you can go fast <laughs> and, and so forth. It, it's a ground, so it gives you stability. In material life, well, there's no ground to stand on. Hmm? It's a constant earthquake. 
<laughs> it's a constant tremor. No matter how I move and adjust my life, I don't have the sense of security that that corresponds with the, the reality of my security. I sense that I should be have a secure position because I'm an atma. I, there, I cannot die. That security. Nainam chindanti shastranam shastrani nainam dahati pabaka nainam suchanti so anyway all those old verses <laughs> used to know them as a brahm story but uh, describing the atman the gita can it be burned by wa- fire withered by water grounded by water withered by the wind earth water fire cut by the weapon and so on and so forth all the dis- this. It's a, it's a very secure reality, the Atma, but it's identified with matter, and so it, it, it seems to be in jeopardy. So the ground is not firm, but we're looking for firm ground. We're looking for ourselves. So we come to understand what is Brahman, what is, con- what is consciousness, and how it, it, as I said the other night, it precedes everything. Everything is, the background of everything is conscious. Consciousness comes first, right? It's very difficult. Logically, it's impossible to get around that. Nowadays, they want to find empiric evidence to, to contradict the, the, the logic of that. What a crazy world that would be. Do you understand? <laughs> If you could demonstrate empirically that that, that that consciousness is not causal, which you can't even come up with a theory like that without consciousness, <laughs> it requires consciousness to come up with a theory, and then to try to demonstrate the theory and so forth. If you want to do away with it in the context of that, this is a crazy world. You don't want to go there. Who's crazy? <laughs> so, anyway, you get if you get to that ground of being, it's very firm. It's 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 uh, it's stable and so forth. But that 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 I am American. We talked about the other night. I'm a man. I am a woman. That's not firm ground. You can't count on that. <laughs> That's going to change. So we shouldn't be woman haters or man haters, because <laughs> we're going to be in both places and have to feel it from one side or the other, and so on and so forth. Hmm? Um, so coming to understand I am consciousness, this is the end of as I said the other night, all this kind of fighting. It all comes from this um, biased uh, perspective. So coming to that, we have firm ground, we're secure, and so forth. But, but the ground there, it's, it's still, now this ground is moving and it's problematic. But, and so we want firm ground, in a sense we want still ground. Hmm? But why do we want still ground? So that we can move on it, to dance on. We don't want to just stand there. <laughs> we want to move on it. If it's moving, it's, it's, then it's really hard to move on it. <laughs> Right? If you want to, to dance on the stage, at least the stage has to be stable. If the stage is moving, then it will be very difficult. <laughs> so we, we, want, we, want, we want stable ground to dance. So not only do we want security, because we are a unit of security, 
but we want Ananda. Hmm? And Ananda means many. Hmm? Right? It means at least a significant other. If you want to love, the full sense of the term has to be someone to repose the love in, and it's reciprocal. And on the scale of reciprocation, then love will be measured and evaluated and so forth. So, Achintya Veda Veda, this is the ground of being in Gaudi Vaishnavism, and it's, it's a firm ground that, 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 that facilitates movement, something like that. It's a, it's a moving ground that, um, um, it's in that Brahman is everywhere, but in Gaudi Vedanta, he's moving. How can you be everywhere and move? From one place to the already every place, so it's very magical. There you find you have ground to stand on, and when you start to dance, the stage also moves, and it's not a problem. You're moving, the stage is moving, everything moving. Gaudi Vaishnava bring everything to life. So we want to be grounded in this idea, as we were speaking, I think, last night. Stand on the ground of Achintya Veda. From there we can understand Bhagavat, Krishna Leela, and so forth appropriately. So Mahaprabhu told Prakashananda Saraswati that, 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 that these are the three things of the subjects of the scripture. Sambandha, Abhideya, Prayojana, the Sambandha is the ground to stand on. The legs of Madan Mohan. Hmm? Madan Mohan. And then the torso, the, the arms of Govindaji, this is Abhideya. Right? You have the legs to stand on, the arms to do something with So we stand on the ground of the Sambandha, the orientation. What am I? What is my relationship with the Maya Shakti? What is the Maya Shakti relationship with Bhagawan? What is Bhagawan's relationship with with, with um Maya Shakti and the Jeev Shakti and the Salsamanda. Hmm? Standing on that ground, that fosters the kind of movement that is bhakti, gives rise to that kind of movement. So the middle torso, the, the arms, this is the, and we do the means. Standing on that ground, and then the smiling face is, is the prayojan, Gopinath, the result. Hmm? <laughs> to, uh, to, it is said in the Bhagavatam that. It is also described as the body of God, twelve, 12 cantos, beginning with his feet, above his feet, and all the way up, and then you get to the tenth canto, his smiling face, and the eleventh canto, his, his intelligence. Hmm. There you find the Bhagavad Gita reiterated there. Twelfth hmm. canto, I don't know, maybe that's the peacock. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so Bhagavatam itself is meditation on the form of Bhagavan, canto by canto. <coughs> so, the, so Prayojan then is the goal hmm, to, uh, to to that Krishna will smile at you. I love you. Hmm. Uh, something like that. So, the deities, these three deities, then are said to be uh, representative of these. Three um, subjects, tattvas, that the sacred text, especially the Bhagavatam, 
is speaking about in its various verses. They could be organized. Bhaktivinoda Thakur wrote a book, Bhagavat Artka Marichinimala, a ray of the son, like the son of Srimad Bhagavatam. And he took, uh, what was it? I said, I think a thousand verses out of 18,000 verses. And he organized them in terms of Sambandha, Abhide, and Prayajan. It's a nice book. Uh, uh, so, Mahaprabhu Nisway taught Prakashananda Saraswati, converted him actually, and, uh, and the deities represent these three. And we find also that our acharyas, we call them our Shastra gurus, up to Krishnadas Kaviras Goswami, they wrote the seminal books. You could, you could fit Baladevijibushan in there with his later afterthought. It's really an afterthought that they don't the Kobindabasha, because there's no need for a commentary on the sutras for the Godis, because they have Bhagavatam, which is a natural commentary. But Anita Rose, this was much later, but up to Krishnadas Kaviras and Chaitanya Charitamrita, you have all the the the, the what constitutes the bhakti shastras for the Gaudiya Vaishnavas? These are their, their 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 main texts, all derived as they are from other texts that are accepted by other sampradayas and so forth. Our take on them, if you will, and uh, so Sanatana Goswami among them, Sanatana Goswami, these shastra gurus, uh, Sanatana Goswami, Rupa Goswami, Raghunandas Goswami. If we study their literary contribution, we find that there is an emphasis in Sanatana Goswami's writing on Sambandha. We study Rupa Goswami's writing, we find emphasis on Abhideya, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, how to do bhakti. Raghunathas Goswami, books like Ujjbal Luman, or excuse me, uh, what is it called? No. I'm thinking of another book. Uh, I can't recall now. Um, anyway, we are sitting on Radhakund. He's writing, entering into the trance of the Leela, coming out, writing about it. Vilap Kusumanjali, for example. Emphasis on Prayojan. So, therefore, we identify them as the the Acharya who presides over Sambandha, Tattva, Abhideya Tattva, Prayujan Tattva, Sanatan, Rupa, and Raghunath, these Goswamis. And they have then some corresponding uh, relationship with three deities, particularly Sanatana Goswami and Rupa Goswami, who had the deities themselves that they worshipped, Madan Mohan in the case of Sanatana Goswami. Radha Govinda in the case of Rupa Goswami. As I say, Radha Gopinath was the deity of Madhu Pandit, but we tie also Das Goswami to that deity, who himself worshipped the Gobaran Shila, hmm. um, given to him by Mahaprabhu himself, the same Shila that Mahaprabhu uh, worshipped. So, Krishna Das, anyway, Krishna's Kaviras Goswami, has then written nice verses glorifying these deities in Chaitanya Charitamrita, and they, they come up 
uh, three, four times in the in the book, hmm? in the Adi Lila, the Madhi Lila, and Anti Lila, three basic divisions of the book, maybe a fourth time as well. Um, so they're they're kind of like paying a, a tribute to the deities and to these 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 principles. Hmm? He says, Jayatam Surato Pango, Mamamanda Mater Gati, Matsarvaspa Padam Bojo Radha Madanam Bohan. Jayatam Surato Pango. Let there be victory to the transcendental Cupid. Madanamohano. Jayatam Surato Pango. Mamamanda Mater Gati. He says, I am lame and I am ill advised. And I take shelter of the Madan Mohan, Radha Madan Mohan, as my all in all. Jayatam Surato Pango Mamamanda Matekati Matsarvasa Padambuja Radha Madan Mohan. My obeisance is to the transcendental Cupid Madan Mohanji and and Radha, and may I get their shelter, though I am lame and ill advised. So, what do we find here? Lame means what? Lame means karma. Action. And ill advised means? Again. So I'm lame, and I've been moving on the tracks of karma and gyan. Systematically or unsystematically? In other words, unsystematically we're all moving for taking, for exploiting by the force of our identification with matter. We're on the take. And when we take and it doesn't satisfy us, we renounce it. That's called vogue. So these are the two tracks the material life runs on. And then there are systematic methodologies for honing karma and dhyan so that you can act in such a way that you can gain the nicest possible temporary result. (laughs) So that you'll be super frustrated. (laughs) You can go all the way to heaven and and you got there. There are millions of years you have to come back. I think of what a letdown that is. Hmm? (laughs) So, uh, and then there's a systematic path of of gyan, right? Hmm? And gyan also, unto itself, takes us all the way up to jivan mukta status. How far is that? Hmm? You're all the way up to jivan mukta status, liberated in this life, just waiting for the prabhda, the manifest karma, to finish. And when it finishes, you come back down without any bhakti. That's the teaching. If you don't have regard for bhakti, hmm? You don't factor any bhakti in coming down. What a loss that is. Hmm. You'll think. So, to pursue that systematic path, that is to be ill-advised. It's not a good idea. Hmm. So he's saying here that he's really speaking about pure bhakti. Hmm. He's giving the teaching. What is Shuddha bhakti? Jnan karmadi anavritam. It's not encumbered by jnan, by karma. So, then we go to the next verse. This uh, 
Devyat Vrindaranya Kalpatru Madha Simadra Tagra Simhasa. So we talked about this a little bit last time. It's a, it's a vision Radha and Krishna seated on a jewel throne under a wish-fulfilling tree in Vrindavan surrounded by their gopas and gopis. Hmm? Devyat Vrindaranya. In the divine Vrindaranya, the forest of Vrindadibhyat Vrindaranya, Kalpandrumadha under a desire tree, Srimadratnagara Singhasana stole, on a jeweled throne, uh, Singhasana Ratna, Radha and Govinda are seated, Srimadrata, uh, Srila Govinda Deva, Prestali Visevi Manusmanami. We talked about it last night. And this is Abhideya is being talked about here. In Raga Bhakti, we want, we want to pursue the Vrindavan ideal. This is the path of Raga Bhakti. And very prominent in Raga Bhakti is this smaranam. Kirtan fosters smaranam. And at a certain point, it reaches a pitch where one is involved in meditating. Smaranam means meditating on a uh, a revealed, if you will, form suitable for participating in Krishna Lila. And it's a meditative body. That doesn't mean it's an imaginary body. It's real things that come out of meditation. And it's false things that come out of the mind. Meditation is a closing down of the mind. What we can fabricate in our mind and bring into form with some action and investigate it and tell us we now we know what is reality is all false from the Vedic perspective, from the perspective of Vedanta. It's all false. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. This meditative body, that is another thing. It comes out of closing down the mind. And it comes out of closing down the mind in a particular way. Hmm? In yoga, Yoga Sutra, the idea is Chitta vritti nirodha. The, the chitta. Chitta means that faculty, yogic faculty, if you will, subtle faculty, of the antar, antakarna. It's kind of a call it, internal organ. Manas, buddhi, uh, chitta. It's a, it's a kind of expanded yogic idea of description of mind what we call in English, mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that chitta is that aspect of mind stuff, if you will, that reflects consciousness. And there's, there, with the help of hunkar, then hunkar means an eye maker. Eye maker. <laughs> so an eye is made. I'm American, I'm Indian, I'm a woman, I'm a man. Something like that. Uh, and so... We want to cleanse the chitta hmm, of all these constructs. Another way to talk: mental constructs of what's what's what, and so what I am, and so forth. And so, in yoga, the ideal is to make that waves, these vrittis, in the chitta stop. It's like you go to the to the lake and it's just all oh, placid, very peaceful, no waves. It just gives you, oh, it's very calming. And then some kids come and start jumping in. You know, it's like, okay, i got to go and move on here. 
something like that. So, um, yoga ideal is to make it, make it calm like this. But the bhakti idea, of course, is different. We're not, we're interested in kind of getting rid of those vrittis, but we're interested, moreover, in the bhakti vritti, in particular vritti. So you, you want, we want Bhagawan on the mind. And this is like if you go to that same lake and you throw a stone in, welcome, throw a stone in, then there will be ripples. One stone is not a problem. It kind of looks nice. There was, there were, there was the lake and it was calm. It's very calming. And I throw one stone in and all these, these concentric circles go out, all in order. As there's a variety then to the calm that doesn't disturb the calmness. Hmm? Very nice. Now, if you took two stones and threw them in two different places, that would be a problem. But if you took 108 stones and threw them all in the exact same place, this is the idea of bhakti. So, hmm? so many can participate and from so many different angles, but all centered on Krishna. Hmm? And then you have this moving ground again. You know, you have these concentric circles with the bigger and more pronounced, and, and so forth. In fact, they be, they become so big and beautiful that the, that the circles, the concentric circles, take precedence over the calm foundation of the lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Calm lake is like the tattva in the stone. This is like the, 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 the canvas, and this is the painting on the stone, on, on the canvas, that is Krishna Leela, the movement. Hmm? So in bhakti, the mind is closed down in this way. Therefore, suda shatma vise shatma prema suryam susami bhakti. It's a manas chitta, what is that verse? How's that going? Ruchibhis chitta, mashrinya. This is bhakti rasamrita sindhu. The mind is taken over by the surup shakti. The example is given of taking an iron rod and put it in the fire. <clears throat> now, if I take an iron rod and I put it in the fire for quite a while and I take it out, Rasamrita, and I touch you, what will you say? How would you say? <laughs> right, you'll feel like you were touched with iron or fire? Fire. Fire, of course, yeah. So it takes on the quality of the, the fire. So the mind takes on the quality of, of, of bhava, hmm? spiritual feeling and emotion. It's a little different than the material feelings that you were all into last night. And we were saying, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. There's a place for that. <laughs> as long as we're moving in the direction of this feelings arising out of a meditative mind. Hmm? Feelings arising out of a mind that's that's absorbed, a chitta that has all kinds of vrittis and so forth. And we're talking about a way of making sense out of those by way of bringing them in this direction. Hmm? You know, we have to think what is. We should love one another. We say let's think, but then we have to think what is love too. Hmm? It's kind of like Fromm's has a continuum, you know, Eric Fromm, of love. So, as much as all the 
outward appearance of love and so forth is only love as much as self selflessness and sacrifice is factored into the whole <coughs> equation. Something like that. Right? Hmm? So, whether I love someone because it's only my selfish desire to have someone, hmm? another child or, you know, uh, another lover, or the, I just, as much as it's my necessity, based on my identification with an illusory sense of self arising out of mind and so forth, and to what extent is it love? Hmm? This has to be considered. So we have to factor in this sacrificing self, selflessness and so forth. As much as it's there, then that outward exchange can really be um, love even amongst one another and so forth. So you can't kind of take the Vedanta out of it. <laughs> you have to factor it in. In my way, of course, then there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no such possibility for relationships. They don't make any sense. In bhakti, they make sense. It is, it is a metaphysic, as we're saying, of love. So, what were we saying? No, we didn't get that far yet. <laughs> we're talking about the second verse, and it's a meditative mind that's being talked about. And it, 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 in, in rag bhakti, there is a body, a form, that develops out of meditation. The form, as I said, that arises out of an unmeditative mind, that is really a, a myth. The whole empiric world is a mythic world from, from the Vedantic perspective. I mean, Shankar was a little over the top on it. Hmm? What did he say? Brahma Satyam Jagan Mitya. <laughs> he said it. He said, Brahman is real, the world is a myth. So much for all the empiric findings and so forth that seem to contradict the Bhagavatam. Uh, of course, as we said, the Bhagavatam is talking about it in an entirely different way. It's not trying to make an empiric statement as to what the nature of world is in any detail. It also says, I mean, this is Shankar's, I think it's his own saying, Jagan, uh, Brahma Satyam Jagan Mitya. Brahman is real, the world is false. We will say the world isn't false, but it's not what it appears to be. Hmm? But if you look from the perspective of Brahman, stepping back, then you can see it for what it is, then you can enter into it and have all these relationships with one another from that vantage point and so forth, and they'll have meaning and value. Hmm? So, you know, this is, a, this is, you've got to digest this. It's, it's false. That, and, it, and, and as Heisenberg said, of course, we're, we're no longer investigating the world. We're no longer investigating nature. We're investigating the nature of humans' investigation of nature. Mm-hmm. Hmm? This was with the, you know, the development of the quantum theory and so forth, and the fact that well, our observation has an influence on what we're seeing and so forth, what we're what, what we're experiencing. And so we're how close are we getting to the nature of things? So kind of, it's difficult to get away from, as we said earlier, from consciousness. It's behind everything. Hmm? So this is the Vedanta 
perspective. And so what comes out of that form, that comes out of the meditative mind, that is an, that is an entirely different type of substance. Sometimes it's said that Bhagwan has no form in the sutra, in the, in the, in the, in the Shastra, in the Upanishads. And as our Goswamis have explained, it means he has, he has no, no material form. And what that means is the material form is nothing like Bhagwan's form, even though sometimes we say his form is human-like. Hmm? Help us get a handle on it and so forth. But in reality, to emphasize the point, I think Ishapanishad says, he has no veins. <laughs> so, you know, what's... what's it's a, it's a whole, it's very, very different. Hmm. Help us get a handle on it. It's, you know, we conceive it in a certain way for meditation and so forth. And the form of Krishna will appear, just like you know it's described, but it will be much more than what you can think of what that is like, or what the poet can do, the, the, the artist can do by, by depicting it. Because, you know, I mean, you can look at the picture of Krishna, but... You can't stop looking at Krishna. That's if he goes behind a tree for a moment, the cowherds will pass out. <laughs> yeah. so, Gopi's cursed Brahma. This is to make the point, right? Poetically, Bhagavatam makes the point. Gopi's cursed Brahma for making eyes that blinked. We can't even. We don't even notice that we blink. That's how boring it is, everything that we're seeing. <laughs> By comparison, they noticed their blinking. You can understand, they were looking at something that was, you know, that was worth looking at. They noticed their blinking, and so for a split second they couldn't see, and it was a disaster. And they said, what kind of body is this? Is this guy supposed to be the creator? Brahma? Brahma between the gaps? Scientific perspective. This guy with four heads up there, you know, okay. But it's beautiful, actually, the whole idea. Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying. But kind of, you know, in 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 Christianity, there's a identification with um, what do they call it? Um, design, intelligent design. Mm-hmm. The Bhagavatam says it's not that intelligent in the design. <laughs> Because the atheists would make the argument, hey, you know, you want to say it's beautiful, it's all really designed, there must be a designer behind it, and why you've got this mutation and that one and and all these, there's a lot of problems with it. Yeah? So what kind of designer, you know, there goes your argument. You know, they, you know they, they make an argument like that. So Bhagavatam, you can go both ways with Bhagavatam. You can say there's beauty, there's charm, there's beauty to the design by way of the meaning of the design, how it speaks to us, what it says to us. It's beautiful. The sun says, you can't keep it, you can't keep it. It rises across the sky every day. Instead, Bhagavatam says, with the rising and the setting of the sun, everyone's life is being taken away. That's beautiful. I mean, we didn't see that when we used to look at the sunsets in the 60s. <laughs> California. <laughs> uh, we missed the message there. Just the lights <laughs> and stuff. But but the lights weren't good enough, so you had to augment it and make it better. Hmm? But but it's good and beautiful, hmm? supremely beautiful, really. If you, if you 
and see it with like the eyes, Shastra Chakshu, eyes of the scripture. And it's saying, isn't it beautiful? It's killing you. <laughs> Another day, the sun is up again, and I'm, I'm closer to dying than I've ever been before. And all the things that are dear to me are closer to being taken away from me than, than, they, than they were a minute ago. Isn't that wonderful? Only one person can say this. Hmm? He says, Who only is glorifying Krishna, Uttamasloka who is speaking about him, who is described in beautiful poetry. Hmm? His life, her life, is not being taken away because they are attached to things that are helping to foster their bhakti. Even it may be their husband, their wife, hmm? their children are helping them immensely when they see how distracted those kids are, how the mind works, how far I've come from that. With a philosophical eye, you look at everything, you love everyone, everything, and and, and all the things that help to foster your bhakti, then you have a right to be attached to those things. That will be good for us. So Bhagavatam says, this, this, this is no problem. Hmm? Rising, setting the sun, taking us closer to our prospect. Hmm? And the good news is, everybody will be there with you. <laughs> it's kind of a simplistic, you know. If I die, go to heaven. Will my friends be there too? Vedanta says, there are no friends. <laughs> Bhagavatam says, yeah, I mean, it happened in Bhagavatam. Nanda Maharaj asked Krishna when he, when he saw him being honored by Varuna underneath the water when Nanda was stolen by someone who didn't understand Dharma, hmm? thought that you know, Nanda had violated the Yakadasi and they took him underneath for sipping water at the wrong time and dragged him under there and Krishna went and saved him. And there we find... Uh, Bruna is saying, Om Namo Bhagavate Tubhyam. He's saying, Bhagavatam says earlier, not the absolute truth is non-dual consciousness. Advai Gyan Tattva. Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavaniti Shabdute. This is a huge verse of Bhagavatam. The whole Paramatma Sandarbha, um, uh, Bhagavat Sandarbha are built on, on this verse of Jiva Goswami. Hmm? The absolute truth, learned people have said, that is non-dual consciousness, known variously as Brahman, Paramatman, Bhagavan. Hmm? And we talked a little bit about this the other night at, at, at Duval's house. Um, here, the section I'm citing from in Bhagavatam, the 10th canto, Krishna goes under the water, Save his father, and Varuna says, Onamo Bhagavate. He says, You are Bhagwan, you are Brahman, you are Paramatman. Hmm? So, in the narrative, it's what is that? That, that new non dual consciousness is Krishna, hmm? known variously by different paths, by Gyan, by Yoga, and by Bhakti, as Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagwan. Hmm. So, Nandamara said, wow, again, I'm seeing that my son has some extraordinary powers. <coughs> so, uh, after speaking with some of the other elders and sharing with them what I saw under the ocean, they said, maybe by the power of Narayan, 
your son knows what our next life will be like. What, what, where, where are we going to, you know, are we going to be together? Well, what's going to happen? So Krishna said, come with me, I'll show you. And he showed them the vision, right? In the, from, I think from a Kuruga there. What did they see? They said, oh, like our cows are going to be there. Our friends, our houses. Are, you know, like, what kind of Vedanta is this? You're going to take all your attachments with you? We thought you know you have to leave those behind, they're all illusory and so forth. But when the attachments become attachments to things that foster my bhakti, then they have endurance. So they saw they all it's all going to be pretty much the same there. Just a you know, a little bit slight difference. All the same bhavas are there. All these relationships, all these feelings are there. And of course, in the Prakatlila Manifest Lila, they are all centered on Krishna, and they are there as well. And this is how to keep the family together, you know. It's those who pray together, they stay together. <laughs> <laughs> this is the idea. So, <clears throat> so to get a, uh, a, a form suitable for that, hmm, this is what the Abhideya hmm, Tattva is about, this is what it, it is preoccupied with. To, to develop that, to develop that. So at a certain point in our bhakti, then we have eligibility for that. Our bhakti is, is revealing that. It's revealed within internal, in ruchi bhakti, shaya kairaba chandrika bhattaranam, said the moonbeams coming and touching the heart, so some desire. Is, has its beginning there, three desires for attaining association with the Lord, for acting in a way pleasing to Him, and so forth. These things are the basis of the bhava that comes after it, asakti. So this is, which is the next stage. So this is cultivated. So this is a very prominent aspect of rag bhakti. But the later stages of sadhana, it really becomes applicable, and especially in bhava bhakti. And so what happens, as I say, is a meditative body is created. This meditative body, I want to say to you, as I have been, is a real body. It's a real form. Hmm? Like Krishna's form is a real form. And Krishna doesn't have a material form, because that form, and he has no form. It means, you speak, this is when the Shastra says, it's speaking to people who have some sense of what form is, hmm? and... He, the Shastra wants to say, his form is nothing like that. It's a body made of Satchirananda. What is that? Hmm? A body made of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. We try to depict it. It's eternally youthful, it's beautiful, it's charming. Uh, you know, surrounded by others, endowed with love, and extraordinary, and so on and so forth. So, Something like that. This is Krishna. Hmm? Very different from any material form. Again, no veins, hmm? no old age, no no transformation. This body undergoes transformation, right? From childhood to youth to old age, or from birth to growth, maturation, giving off byproducts, dwindling and dying, vanishing. Hmm? Pavarga. Hmm? 
Pa-va-va-ma-pa-va-va-ma. That means, this is the pa-var, you know the Sanskrit? The, the, the syllable, I don't know, what is the varga? Pa-varga, it's a, Anyway. Pa-pa-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Is it? Pa-pa-ba-ba-ma. Ma. Hmm? Anyway. Ma-mrityum. Death. And in between, they represent the whole other, the, the inception, growth, maturation, byproduct, dwindling, foaming, process, <laughs> dying. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so Krishna's form, not like that. Hmm? It undergoes no transformation. It has Komar, Poganda, um, Kishore. Hmm? <clears throat> no yoga, no. That's Dwarka, Matura. Hmm? Hmm. Only Kishore uh, is our concern. Kumar, Paganda, Kishore, and Nitya Kishore. Hmm? But the transformation, apparent transformation, is not such because all of those, the childhood, the youth, and the adolescence of Krishna, are always manifest in some heart somewhere. Manifesting in the heart near you. Hmm? Soon, hopefully. Right? So, uh, so each age, and which corresponds with different sentiments, that are, the, the, the Kumar is very attractive to the, the, uh, the, the Batsalya Bhaktas. Poganda, very attractive to the, to the Sakya. Rasapakta, the Kishore, very attractive to the to the um, gopis. The Nitya Kishore, even Nitya Kishore, they see the Kumar, they see the Poganda in him. Nitya Kishore means he doesn't go through the different changes, apparent changes, in the unmanifest Leela that he does in the manifest Leela, which makes the manifest Leela the source of the unmanifest Leela. Very earth-centered philosophy of Jodhi Vaishnavism finds earth to be a very, very important place mm-hmm. where Krishna can play out his leela in a way that otherwise is not as well, is not as well facilitated. Anyway, so it is a spiritual form and a spiritual place. And the meditative body, the body that comes out of meditation, it's not like you've imagined a body. Even for that matter, sometimes we say, materially speaking, we say what? We say... Um, it's all in his mind. Hmm. Well, that could be pretty substantial then, if you think about it. World in the mind. I mean, it, we're not idealist in that sense, but fully. But to some extent, um, it's all in his mind. We, we, as if to say, it's less real. Hmm? But mind is more real hmm, than matter, if you will. Gross matter is is kind of closer to reality, a subtle matter, I should say, is kind of closer to reality than, than the gross matter. For example, the mind is considered to be the, the sixth sense or the eleventh sense, however you talk about it, and it has a more, the mental stuff has more of a kind of a similarity to consciousness than the gross senses. In the mind, you can sp- experience all the senses. That is where you experience them, as a matter of fact. <laughs> So it's not a, 
it's not a lesson. We were so attached to the gross world and identified with it that we say things like, "Ah, oh, it's all in his mind." I mean, I understand that it has application and so forth, but it, but the implication is it's a lesser place. Hmm? And in science, of course, they try to reduce the mind to the brain so that there is no mind anyway. Hmm? It's all in his mind. And there is no mind, and, and so forth. But we we see the mind is is on a on a next step up in a hierarchy. Hmm? What does the Gita say? What is that verse? No. Minus, uh, intelligence is next. Yeah, where well, there are the sense objects, there are the senses, there is the mind, and so forth. Tells there is the self. Saha, he... I forget the verse. Uh, Indriyani. Indriyani Prahani Indriyabhyam Paramanaha. So forth. So, there's a gradation, an ontological hierarchy and ladder within the material uh, thing, realities, substances, if you will. And the soul, of course, is in a different category altogether. It's categorically different. It's not matter. But, point is that the subtle matter hmm, is more similar, although entirely different, <laughs> more similar <laughs> to consciousness than the gross matter. Hmm? It's more substantial. Excuse me, your experience is all, in a sense, in, 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 in the mind. Hmm? And the possibilities of experience in the mind are much greater than the possibilities of experience in the gross matter and so on and so forth. So. When we go then up to the spiritual world, then then we go beyond mind, and and rag bhakti and meditation in general is is to is to use the mind hmm, to to harness the mind, if you will. Hmm? Meditation is to is to stop the mind. The bhakti method, of course, is as I say to bring about by, and, and make an effort to get the grace that the Srup Shakti will come and take over my mind like the fire takes over the iron rod and makes it hot and so forth. And then out of this, a form comes, a body comes. Hmm? <coughs> so this is a real form. Krishna's form is real. The Leela is real. <coughs> and the world, by comparison, is, is mythic. Hmm? If consciousness is, is primary behind everything, as as reason uh, demands, hmm? as I said, we want to they want to prove empirically that, that that's not a case. So that makes for a very unreasonable and crazy world. Hmm? We don't want to be involved in that kind of world. Hmm? We want to be involved in a real world, pursuing the idea that consciousness precedes everything. Hmm? It's the ground of being. So to, to stand on that ground, to move on that ground, to dance on that ground, as that ground itself moves, hmm? as we discussed earlier. So this verse, the second verse, is about this. When it says, Sevimanos Marami. Prestalibi Sevimanos Marami. What's highlighted in this verse is there's, it's, not that the, it's not that the Radha and Krishna on the throne. Hmm? It said, Radha and Krishna underneath the desire tree seated on a jeweled throne. Hmm? Hmm? Surrounded by Prestalibi Sevimanus Marami. 
surrounded by by Prima Madhurja, by devotees, associates, entourage, endowed with Prima Madhurya. This is the implication. Prestalibi Sevyamano, Sevyamano. This serving in Prema Madhurya, this kind of love, surrounded by these people. You see, if you understand this verse, this is where the mind goes to. Hmm? There's Radha and Krishna, and they correspond with the devotee, the entourage. Hmm? And, and their meditation, if you will, their, their meditative bodies, that deha, that corresponds with the, with the, with the divine couple. Hmm? So this is, therefore, the, an Abhideya Tattva verse describing Radha Govinda. Hmm? Um, and, and it highlights an aspect of the Abhideya that's, that's, that's really relative to the Ragmarg. You don't do this in Vaidhi Marg for going to Vaikuntha. Um, not at least in the same measure. It's a very prominent aspect of Raghunuga Bhakti. And uh, uh, to be taken up as eligibility um, for such uh, becomes manifest through, through what? Through your practice, through hearing and chanting, worshiping the deity and so forth. Hmm? You get your body going, busy in all these services, the mind will come around. Hmm? And you sit down one day, and you, and you can actually listen to the holy name and find what's it, what, what's there. He revealed himself to you. So that's two verses, right? Then, Karshan Venus on Shiman Rasa Rasaram Vamsi Karshan Venus on So this is this is speaking about Krishna's Rasa with Gopis, which is the prime prayojan in the highest reach. It is what the whole of Vrindavan is moving around, directly or indirectly, the romantic affairs of Radha and Krishna. Assisting roles and adversarial roles. Hmm? Vatsalyaras is, is adversarial towards the Madhuryaras. Sakyaras is, is compatible and supportive. Hmm? And this makes them and go move in different ways. And Mother Yasoda wants to put Krishna to bed at night, and he's stealing out the window. Hmm. <laughs> so, and he comes back in the morning, and we're, and 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 he gets in bed just before the sun comes up, uh. hmm. Hmm. only to be woken up. <laughs> hmm. And there are some questions about why he is. Wearing a blue s- scarf or something, a chatter instead of a yellow dhoti. Mm-hmm. In the confusion of trying to get home, they, their clothes were exchanged, the divine couple. Mm-hmm. So he needs someone like Supal, a very quick witted fellow, to say, Oh, this is the situation, and he gives some resolution to the. To the Problem so that so that the Matsali Rasa doesn't uh, doesn't find out where Krishna's been all night. So in this way, the leelas moving. So even those 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 leelas, those rasas, those sentiments that are 
not compatible to they're compatible in a larger sense. So that's why all these other the Dasya, Sakya and Vatsalyav all presided over by Balaram in Vrindavan are very important. You can't do away with those any more than you can do it with Balaram, who's the very ground of being in another sense. He's the he's the Sandini Shakti. Hmm? ground on which the whole thing is supported. All the forms, those meditative forms, are made out of Sandini Shakti. So you see how, how this is his day, his day here we'll talk about tonight, his Rasa Yatra, where he, he shines, and you can see that he shines only for Krishna. Hmm. Anyway, he, he's the ground of being there, here too. It's the whole topic, but he presides over existence, Sandini, Sat. Hmm. So, so that this last verse, glorifying Gopinath, this speaks about this highest ideal. Hmm? Whether um, the devotees are going to participate directly in that, hmm? even to the direct participation in Gaudiya Vaishnavism is indirect participation. We call it tadbhav HMI instead of sambhog HMI. Nobody in Gaudiya Vaishnav wants to be a competitor with Radha and have their own manjaris. Hmm. That's called sambhogajami, the desire to enjoy relationship directly with Krishna. They want to subordinate hmm, themselves to Radha and assist her and her and her Ranavus with Krishna. In this way, by attaching themselves to the experience of Radha, vicariously they experience everything Radha experiences which you could never experience by being a competitor of Radha, because only Radha knows Krishna completely. Indeed, all the competitors in the Nitya Lila, they're all manifestations of some aspect of herself. So you could attach yourself to some aspect of her, or follow in that pursuit, or you follow the whole of Radha's experience, is the idea. So either to, even the direct participation, if you will, in Radha Krishna's romantic life is... Uh, Indirect. Hmm? Indirect. This is Puja Pachiramarsh once told me, Gaudiya Vaishnavism is indirect. Hmm. That is the whole thing. He said, Das, Das, and Das. First there is Krishna, then there is Krishna Das, then there is the Das of Krishna Das, and then there is the Das, Anudas, of, of the Das of Krishna Das, and then there is us. Das, 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 Krishna, Das, 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 yeah, Krishna, das, das, I don't know, Anadas, anyway. Is it five? There's Krishna, there's Krishna das, there's the das of Krishna das, and there's the Anadas, and then there's us. See, this is the way he put it. He wanted to emphasize the point. <laughs> the more indirect, the more the direct is the, is the experience. Something like that. And then there are indirect roles, like in Sakuras or Saliraga, supporting. This is the Prem Prayojan. Hmm? And the highest means, stretch it means, Gopi uh, Bhav. Hmm? So, in this way, these are the three deities. The, the Krishna Skavir wrote these verses. If you study them, you see they talk about the three subjects of the text. And um, um, he has really brought our attention to the deities in a way that no other author, um, Gaudi author, has. He 
was commissioned directly by Manan Mohan to write the Chaitanya Charitamrita in his, in his own confession. It's a confessional chapter of the uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita. I believe it's the eighth chapter of the Adi Lila, where he tells us. It's some confessional in the fifth chapter. Hmm? Mm-hmm. End of the fifth chapter. And in the eighth chapter, it's the details of what happened to him, how he got to Vrindavan in the fifth chapter, and how, what, what happened to him in Vrindavan when he got there. He told us a secret there. Madam Mohan blessed him. Hmm? And then under the tutelage of the uh, followers of the Goswamis, he was commissioned to write it and charge him. Nityananda so sent him there. Yeah. In Vrindavan, he writes, what, in the 8th chapter, he, that's in the 5th chapter. In the 8th chapter, he writes how he actually started writing the book and how Manamohan gave him the garland. He went to the darshan of Manamohan. The garland was given to him, and he could understand how he was being blessed, and then he was singled out to write the Chaitanya Chaitanya mm-hmm. and so forth. Beautiful. Story. So he's really kind of highlighted these deities. The question was, for those who came late, can you say something about the the, the three uh, verses, was it? Well, the functional deities. The functional deities of Vrindavan, Manu Mohan, Govindaji, and Gopinath. So, we've tried to... so do we worship them progressively, according to our position? Um, what we do is... Um, um, uh, what do you think about that? You, uh, it's not that you, you know, cultivate the sambanda and then you cultivate the abhideya, and then, but but proportionate to the the sambanda being in place, then your bhakti will be more so because it will be more better informed. An informed action is better than an uninformed action. Hmm? Right? So the sambandha is, is kind of the, form, the information. The, yeah, so uh, the, the, that information fosters bhakti. Hmm? So we get theoretical understanding of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. This fuels our practice at a certain point our, our relationship with Krishna, which is the function of Diksha. Hmm? Diksha falls under the Sambandha Gyan. So uh, we get the mantra, we, we're getting we're establishing a relationship with Krishna in the context of the mantra. It comes out. Hmm? So when it comes out, then we say the initiation is complete here. Hmm? The Sambandha is, is is you know is, is established so to speak so the bhakti in bhav bhakti is very much informed hmm? so uh, whereas in sadhana bhakti the bhakti is kind of a imitation of a good thing is a good thing hmm? um, one one performs bhakti with the senses in sadhana bhakti without rather than with emotion. In Bhav Bhakti, as I said, it's it's the mind is uh, taken over by Bhav, so it, it's it's uh, the Bhakti is 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 is, is transcendentally emotional, hmm? 
it's, it's arising out of transcendental emotion. The same exercises and movements and so forth may be um, there on the part of the bhava bhakta and a, and a sadhana bhakta, but there's a, there's a difference. Hmm. Um, and so, that bhakti is fully informed, and that bhakti, informed bhakti, readily brings prem. Our bhakti should be at least this informed, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Trinata Pesana Chena, Tarara Pesana it should be at least that informed. Then, then it will have some efficacy. So I don't know if you want to think about uh, worshipping the deities in a progressive way. I mean, you could worship Madan Mohan and, and pray for Prabhupada Gyan that your bhakti can be on 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 um, un, 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 uncovered, unmotivated, uncovered by uncumbered by gyan motives to, for gyan or for for concerns for karma and so forth, mm. and that would be useful mm. to pray to Madan Mohan like that. But then you want to turn to Govindji and, and pray in another way that. Uh, yeah. All your senses become spiritually enlivened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I never you know, thought of it like that—that that worship one another, another. But it's all—all all the subjects are there in the Bhagavad It's not that we're taught to only read the verses about Samanda Gyan. Hmm. When you get done with that, then you read all the verses of Abhidaya Gyan. No, you need to read even the verses of the Prayojan. Mm-hmm. You gotta know where the, what the goal is, and you gotta know where you are, and you gotta know how to get there. So that's basically the I could give the analogy of the map. You know, in the mall, you got here's where you want to go, here's where you are, and there's a way to get in between. You have to know a little bit of each. So, yes, uh, you were talking about the form of Krishna earlier on, and there's a little story Bharadraj talks about when he first started painting for Prabha, for baby Tiawar. He had gotten a whole bunch of posters and pictures of Krishna that were all different. And he lined them all up. And he brought Prabhupada and he asked Prabhupada, so who's Krishna here? You know, what's the most like Krishna? Prabhupada looked at them, they're all Krishna. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're just thinking like that. You know, from the pure devotee, Krishna is always there. So, I don't know. Yes. <coughs> Um, in the Gopal Mantra, we have the <coughs> excuse me. We have those three deities: Krishna, Govinda, and um, Gopinath. And as far as meditating on that mantra, is there a particular different forms that we see in each one when we say Krishna, Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopi, Janavalda? Are they? I mean, is there a particular? How do you meditate on that? You have to stop thinking about anything else. That's the, that's the, well, probably what's most important. Very clear. The name, the forms are there in the name. The leelas are there in the names. And so, so like when you can effectively meditate, then and one of the names will take precedence, and the other two will be um, kind of aspects of the one. Mm-hmm. So he's Gopi Janabolava, he's a lover of the gopis, and he's also the, the friend of the, the cowherds. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as uh, uh, you know in Vatsali Rasa and Sakirasa and so forth. And it's also Krishna, who's in Dasi Rasa, who's even worshipped in you know other places like Matura and Dwarka and all of Golok. The Krishna name covers all three. And Bhagavindaji and Gopijanavalava. He's not a cow herder in uh, Dwarka or Mathura. Hmm. He's not the lover of Radha there. You know, so these names are more relative to uh, Vrindavan. Hmm. And so those Leelas will, uh, the form will come out there. Krishna also, but he's all, the name extends further as well. So when the devotee is successful in meditating, then, you know, the Dhammatra will speak to you and and then, and then the particular name will be prominent in the mantra. And then the qualities of that deity in each different sentiment of love for Krishna, Krishna certain qualities of Krishna will stand out. Hmm? And so, as far as, like, guna, you know, you have nam, dhyan, rupa, dhyan, guna, smarnam, vidasmarnam, so meditating on the qualities of Krishna. This involves having become acquainted with a form of Krishna that's in the name, that speaks to me, so to speak, or reveals himself, that has particular qualities hmm, that then correspond with particular leelas. And so, forth. so it all unfolds. But as far as how to and so forth, I think, you know, really you, you, have, to, you have to sit and you have to give that mantra a full attention hmm? and you, you got it has to come to a point where you know, the mantra is what you're doing hmm? and you're you know if you do it like proper talk three times a day hmm? you know you're waiting for those times to come around <laughs> something like that other than oh I just forgot forgot <laughs> of course if you're doing a lot of seva and so forth then it's maybe cause for forgetting there there's one thing seva means ultimately the mantra is is, is superseded by seva and the nam too nam recedes to the background mantra recedes to the background mantra's efficacy has been reached it retires altogether nam recedes to the background means nam recedes to the background means rupa guna and lila which are in the name have come to the foreground mm-hmm. when lila comes to the foreground and I'm participating in in, in, in the Leela. Hmm? Nam is in the background, but now Nam's in the foreground. Therefore therefore, Nam is more is non different from Krishna, but different from Krishna, right? The name is non different from the named. But Mr. Saying, how is the name also different from Krishna? The name of Krishna and Krishna are one, right? But also the name is different than the named. More merciful. That's right. Who said that? More merciful. Because it is said, well, we have offended the form, you know, we, we, uh, he doesn't come before us, but the name is coming. Hmm? So Rupa Goswami said, the name is more more generous. So he comes to the foreground. Now the name, in the name is the form, uh, the qualities and the lila. So you have to mind those, so to speak. Hmm? Mind those with your mind. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they come out, you know, and uh, and then the name is received into the background, and the form is taken precedent. It's gunas and leelas ultimately. 
So, what else? Kumar, just a real quick question. Gop Kumar, when he was chanting the Gopal Mantra, it was ten syllables. So was he not chanting Krishnaya? Was he just chanting Govinda, Gopijanavalaya? The ten syllable mantra, Om Kling, Gopijanavalaya, something. So he did like that. It doesn't say what the 10th syllable uh, Krishna mantra is. The 18th syllable Krishna mantra is considered to be the uh, mother of all mantras, of all Krishna mantras. It gives birth to other um, 10 syllable, 12 syllable. I think that's also, yeah. So, it, and they count it in different ways. Sometimes they don't count the seeds. So, Gopi, Janana, Bala, Bhaya, Swaha. Ten. So, for, for Dasiras, the Krishna Nam will be prominent. For Sakiras, Patsaliras, the Govinda name. And for Madhuriras, the Gopijanabala name. But in Priyanarmasak, also in Gopijanabala, like that fellow Gopakumar and Great Bhagavatam, you mentioned he was that kind of. Saka. Yeah. It just um, mentioned about jnanis who don't factor in bhakti, they exhaust their karma and fall back down. And I, I, I understand that if there's no bhakti's not factored in, they'll fall back down. But what if all the karma karma's been exhausted, what do they fall back into? <laughs> I guess Krishna gives him more karma. <laughs> uh, That's an interesting question. Desire. Yeah. Well, the seed of desire. Yeah, the, the, desire the desire is still there. Yeah, but it's, you know. Yeah, it's like how is that? Where does it all start out? The son of finished. And so who merges then? <laughs> and they'll no. fall down. One who has some bhakti. Hmm? One who has some bhakti <clears throat> merges. Hmm? What are we Is it the new fall-down conundrum? <laughs> Prabhupada says <laughs> they become philanthropists. They must not build hospitals. Build hospitals. He was referring to somebody whose name I won't mention. <laughs> build hospitals and so forth. And, you, I went one time before you had explained that fall down. You were saying that they don't actually; they just are an illusion that they've become. That's yes, the Bhagavatam says. Avishuddha Buddha, Vimukta Manina. They think they're liberated, they but they're not. not. Really. So it seems like if they actually become Jivan Mukta, yeah. I mean, then if that actually were to happen, then how could they fall? Well, Jiva Mukta is still in the proximity of the world or in relation to the world. The Prabhupada Karma is still surrounding that Jiva Mukta Gyani. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if the, he factors bhakti in, then his life is successful. 
you might say, then, if he doesn't factor bhakti in, does he even attain the stage of jiva mukti? Mm-hmm. That could be in question. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then he never gets out of the karma, and so he's gotten pretty far with it, but he didn't get out, so he starts to get, you know, and plugs back in, so to speak, and the fan can go pretty fast once you give it a little fuel. <laughs> Yes. Is, is the the role of time? Is that it seems like that there would be a perception of time up until you reach the point where there's no going back. There is no falling down. No matter how much you've achieved from the planets and so forth, you go to your final destination. You know, time is acting. It seems there's still a material existence, but it's a finer existence. Is that? Is that what's being sort of described, that you go to these heavenly planets, but you haven't achieved what you really need to achieve, so you're forced to come back down? And time time seems to be a factor. They talk about thousands of years and this mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's, it sounds like it's an elevation of, of still that box, that box yeah. of sensation. <laughs> and then somehow you transcend it once... You've really given up the attachment for is that is that sort of the idea? Yeah. Then you go then you go into transcendental time in the Leela. Then there's time there. It's eternal present, but there's also periods of time. There's days and nights. So. So. Oops. So with that <laughs> with that, yeah. Can we wait till Oh, yeah. This evening. You come in this evening? Yeah. Okay. We'll stop there. See, see, Radha Mana Mohan Ki Jai. Radha Govinda Ki Jai. Gopinath Ki Jai. Gold. Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Gold. Me.